Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Good afternoon. Glad you could join us for this Tuesday edition of the Eagle Hour on the Super Talk Mississippi Network across the state of Mississippi or online. I'm Kelly Sander along with producer engineer Michael Mergens from the Southern Bank Horse Studios in Hattiesburg. Luke Johnson is in the same studios in Laurel. First segment of the program today brought to you by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. As football season's right around the corner, leave the uh, all the cooking and fixing to Dickies at your tailgate party, whether you've got four or five or whether you've got 40 or 50, Dickies can take care of your favorite meats and favorite sides so that you can enjoy fellowship with everyone in your tailgate party. Dickies Barbecue Pit, proud to be supporters of the of the Eagle Hour here on Super Talk Mississippi and Golden Eagle Athletics. Later on the program, Heath Hinton will be joining us from Big Gold Nation. But in our first two segments today, we are delighted to have with us Ms. Sylvia Hennington. Sylvia is a native of Chattanooga. Tennessee, later Birmingham, and then came to Southern Miss in the early 1960s, where she was one of the early, what are now called Dixie Darlings. And the Dixie Darlings, of course, are as much of the football experience at Southern Miss as anything else. And we always pay tribute to the Dixie Darlings a couple times during the football season. We're going to have this year's edition, a preview of this year's edition of the uh, of the Dixie Darlings in a couple weeks as we get closer to the opener. Sylvia, it's great to have you here, 81 years young. And actually, when you when we talk about the history of the Dixie Darlings, this actually goes back to Dr. Minoni. This was kind of his vision. Kind of fill in some blanks for us. Dr. Raymond Minoni was band director at the time. Minoni Auditorium is named after him. He had a vision. He had seen the Kilgore Rangerettes uh, perform, and he wanted a group of beautiful women out on the field with his band. And so he had the vision for what is now the Dixie Darlings. He went to Kilgore. Now, and that's Texas, a junior college, right? In Texas, right? a junior, yes. And uh, recruited Joyce Kometka to come and be the leader of the very first year of <clears throat> what is now the Dixie Darlings. At that time, the Dixie Darlings really didn't have a name. They had There had been a group called the Dixie Maids prior to that that were out in the field in hoop skirts and whatnot. We were never actually Dixie Maids. The Dixie Darlings were not. But when we first began, we did not have a, a, a name. And coming back on the bus from one of the first games, the girls started going, "Who? what can we be called? And they kept throwing out various things of which Dixie Maids was certainly not one of them. 
And someone had put a a review in the paper of those darlings from Dixie. And they said, that's it. Dixie Darlings. But now, originally, there were how many members of the, that you danced Dixie, with? There was about 16 to 18 of the original members. Dr. Minoni handpicked those out of the beauties on campus that he liked so much. And, and you have to remember, we're going back now, Eagle fans, to the Mississippi Southern days, when they were yes. the Southerners, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, so being from Bur- from Birmingham, Sylvia, how did you get word that this new this new group of young women was was going to be auditioned? I had a best friend from Chattanooga who heard about USM or Southern Miss at the time and she was coming down here to audition for the Dixie Orleans. On their way back to Chattanooga, they stopped by our house in Birmingham and told me all about it. And at that time, I I didn't want to go to college. My mother insisted that I go at least one year. So there was some dance here, and I thought, well, okay. So we started investigating, and I came down my junior year to talk to and look at the campus. Junior year in high school. My junior year of high school, yes. And uh, came down to look at the campus and decided this is where I would go and set up me an audition for the Dixie Darlings homecoming of my what is, was my senior year of high school and we were following this other girl down here and she never showed up we didn't even know that but i said okay if i have to go to college this is where i want to go one of the things that you said about dr Manoni was that this guy was a master salesman and i mean he he understood what a show was all about and the dixie darlings at the time you guys performed in much more than just southern miss football games oh yes, yes we traveled our very first game was the pro game in Chicago, and then the pro we ball, did, the pro pro bowl game, pro ball game. Right. That was the very first time I ever went on a football field. I had never been on a football field before, and uh, that was my very first game. And I was leading the group out, a little scary, but that's what I did. And then we performed at the Sugar Bowl several times. We performed in the Senior Bowl several times. He was just a mastermind. We did the Blue-Gray game also. That was an interesting game. It was pouring down rain. They let us go on the field, and every kick we did, we hit ourselves in the face with mud. And you came from a dance background. Yes. Is it reasonable to assume that most of the young women were of a... No. Really? No. Mm Mm-mm. Um, Dr. Minoni was more interested in beauty than he was in dance back then. But once he hired Francis Jelinek Myers, who came down to get a master's degree and took over the Dixie Darlings as the director after Joyce had gone, she was more interested in the dance. And so together she would take girls that he probably would not have picked because they were not as beautiful as he would have liked. But uh, she said, they're an illusion on the field. They'll be fine. So, and, and again, we're talking about 1960. 1960. Right? Okay. So, and, and, and back then, young women, Dixie Darlings or not, could not even walk across campus if they did not, if they weren't wearing a dress, some type of skirt or covering. Exactly. <laughs> so, so how did that, I mean, it, it seems like kind of a, Kind of a dichotomy there. Well, you know? today, yes. You know, when I see what the girls are wearing to Oak Grove High School, I'm going, golly. And uh, 
kids at Southern now wear the pajamas to an early morning class. And we were not allowed to even walk across campus in a pair of long pants, except on Saturday morning. Now, again, this was Dr. Manoni's vision, but obviously this would have had to have been cleared by the president at the time, Dr. McCain. I'm sure it was. That I really don't know the, the history of, how it came to be with the, with the school. Now, each year, the Dixie Darlings come back for, for homecoming. You're still participating in that dance, but you, you get to meet with some of the, the new uh, young ladies that are, that are members of the Dixie Darlings each year. And what are some things that you kind of share with them, Sylvia? Well, there's several things. Number one, the point that we could not wear long pants or shorts across campus. Number two, um, that we were given, we traveled a lot. So we were given a stipend every day when we got off the bus in Chicago. Dr. Manoni handed each one of the DDs and the band members $3. And that was to eat on for the day. And we could do it very easily. A steak dinner in Chicago was a dollar and a quarter. Breakfast was 50 cents at the most, and then the rest of it was for, for lunch. I mean, we made out like pirates, you know? I <laughs> still had some in your pocket at the yes, end of the day. Yes, yes. And um, there were just a lot of things that we did. We even just traveling to Mobile. We would stop in Loosedale at a little restaurant to go to the bathroom and get an ice cream. <laughs> And still at part of your stipend money. Yeah, you know, we didn't get stipend money. Well, we did after we got there. Yeah, we didn't for that. Yeah. Now, I'm, and, and are the Dixie Darlings, and forgive me if you don't know this answer, because it certainly is, is not, would not be in your expertise today, but are they scholarship now? Or are they... We were never scholarshiped. Okay. I, if you were from out of state, you got your out of state tuition waived, which is one of the things that brought me here. I didn't have to pay out of state tuition. And then once I became an officer, I got $300 a semester. Or at that time, we were on a quad yeah, for quarter, quarter, quarter system. system. And I got $300 a quarter for my books. Now, one of the things that has remained traditional with the Dixie Darlings over the years are the trademark uh, knee-high boots. Mm-hmm. You know, the costume itself, at least as I recall, has really not varied a whole lot since even the 80s, perhaps. Well, it changes about every two or three years because... Seems subtle changes to me. Subtle changes to me. But they're not... We've had a lot of different uniforms, and they're all on display in the in the library. Really? I yes. Didn't, I did not know that. Yes, there is a Dixie Drawing uh, room in the McCain Library that has the his, a lot of the history of the Dixie Darlings in it. So how long did it really take before, when the Dixie Darlings came together in 1960, how long did it really take before uh, it really became the, the institution that it is today, do you think? And Actually, uh, hold, hold that thought, because we're going we're to go into commercial break. And when we also, on the other side of the commercial break, too, we're going to talk to Sylvia about how one of the Dixie Darling alums who is struggling with some things that just life deals you sometimes, but how she deals with that coming back for homecoming every year and participating with the rest of the Dixie Darlings. It's a great story. Luke Johnson's going to rejoin us. He's going to be talking with Heath uh, Hinton a little bit later on as well. We're talking Dixie Darlings here at the beginning of the program today on this Tuesday Eagle Hour, and we'll be back after this commercial timeout.
You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Don't forget to swing by campus bookmark for all of your Southern Miss uh, apparel that you need, even stuff around the house. You know, whether it's a, a chip and dip tray, whether it's uh, coffee mugs, whatever you need, anything with a Southern Miss logo on it, they've got it at campus bookmark. They're open 24-7 on the web, which I guess is going to stick around. I thought the Internet might be a fad. But now I'm changing my mind. I think it might be around a while. Campusbookmart.net. Kelly Sander along with Luke Johnson and our special guest, Luke, Sylvia Hennington, a Dixie darling from 1960 to 1964. Miss Sylvia, so, so tell us, what was the first thing you remember learning early on? Uh, uh, the motion, the song, the fight song, what, what was it? Oh, just our first routine that we did in, in uh, Chicago. Well, and the strut. Actually, the strut was the first thing. And we used to come in through the goalpost. The officers did, and then the um, rest of the girls came in from the sidelines. Um, I mean, the the end zone. And we marched out that way. And the strut is actually the first thing. We didn't do the fight song and all like they do now. We didn't do all that. So the strut is, when we think of Dixie Darlings, what you mean by that is when they come in, they line up, they kick one, one way or the other, they put their hands, they, they go down, and all the way to the end. I mean, that, that's what we think of. That As really hasn't changed too much. It's when they much. come on the field pregame to, are you from Dixie? You're right. That's the strut, the actual motion of it's kind of where they drag their boot toes or, or whatever yeah we didn't do it like that though <laughs> but has has much changed at all from what you know southern miss fans see in pregame now from the dixie darlings that one specific are you from dixie has as much changed since you learned that oh yeah very definitely we did not do pregame we only did halftime but we were very much a part of more a part of the halftime show than they are now but the strut has evolved over the years with different directors and different girls. Actually, the girls this day and age are more dancers. They have been brought up as dancers with high school teams and whatnot. Our girls primarily either, most of them were majorettes before they came to Southern. So... We, uh, we we talked about this off air before we came on. Anybody that's ever seen the Eagle Hour live on location knows that Kelly Center always does something right before we come on air. He attempts, attempts. He did is it very right relevant this time. Thing. He actually straightened his elbows. Oh, good. Yeah, I was actually <laughs> going to get your personal critique of that he, because he, he would put his arms straight out and then worked his elbows up and down. So it's all about working the elbows. So the arms have to be level, and then it's the the actual working yes, of the, the arms elbows. are parallel to the ground. Kelly, I mean, you're feeling good about yourself now. Official critique, and you 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 passed in front of a real Dixie darling. I, I am. I'm I'm humbled that <laughs> that I got the Sylvia Hennington seal Actually, of approval. Actually, that particular move to the fight song, we invented it during our era. Really? Mm-hmm. They've changed it a little bit now, but we're the ones that started doing that. Now, Sylvia, there's one story about another original member, Joyce Kometka, mm-hmm. that that. Her, you, that you guys were on your way to Auburn or something, and she forgot her uniform. Tell us. Okay, it wasn't Joyce. Jo- okay, it, it wasn't that Joyce. It All was right. another Joyce. All right. But she had. We were on our way to Auburn for a JV game, and about halfway to Auburn, Joyce remembered she didn't 
pack our uniform. It was still laying on her bed. Now, this is before cell phones and all that. So somehow they called back to campus. The dorm mom went up and unlocked her room, got the uniform and everything she needed that was laid out on her bed, gave it to the campus police. The campus police took it to the highway patrol, and the highway patrol relayed it all the way across Mississippi and Alabama to Auburn so that she would have her uniform. That's how important we were at the time. <laughs> hey, how about that, Luke, huh? That That's a story in itself. I it mean, is. that is that – is, yeah, I, I guess I, I think people, you know, the, the Dixie Darlings have become – just one in the same with all Southern Miss athletics. And it's one of those things that you always expect to see. And I think a lot of people, what's so intriguing about us talking with you today, Miss Sylvia, is, I mean, you're dealing with something now going on, you know, 75 years uh, with with Southern Miss athletics. And just to to be a Dixie darling is, is a part of Southern Miss lore. Right, right. And I, and I, and homecoming every year, which this year is October 7th, the Dixie Darlings, as they usually do, will have the alums that would like to come back and dance with the Dixie Darlings. But there's this one really cool story, Luke, where there's, you know, unfortunately, the tolls of life, you know, take itself on some of us. And one of the Dixie Darlings um, is experiencing dementia, um, as will happen to some of our older population, but so that she doesn't miss her homecoming dance, Sylvia, tell us what this means to her and how she deals with her dementia. She absolutely loves coming back to homecoming, and she is a delight for all of us, and we all love her dearly, but she cannot remember the dance necessarily. She has a wonderful son. My sons would never have done something like this, I don't think, but he takes the video and starts rehearsing with her about this time of year every year, starts working with her from the video to teach her the dance again. And then during the halftime show, he goes out and stands up next to the fence right in front of where she dances and does the dance with her so that she can do it and perform. Wow. Isn't that something? That's amazing. You know, you wonder if the if the young ladies that are in the Dixie Darlings group today, and and how do the numbers compare, Sylvia, to the original Dixie Darlings? How many they're dancing today? Well, we we marched about fifty. They only march about thirty five today, but the requirements are so much more rigid today than they were back in my day, in terms of what moves you can do, what dance steps. And and is it because it has evolved to more dancing yes. than uh-huh. back in the day? The dance, the dance, the dances that they do now. We never even saw. I mean, they were not something that you learned back in my day. We didn't. I mean, if you could do a double turn, you were wonderful. This day and age, a triple is about standard. I guess like anything else, Luke, you know, you'd have to say that football players today or any athletes today are just better yes. than, than any of them were 30 or 40 years ago. Well, we didn't have things like gymnasiums and we didn't have... Um, yeah, for lack of a better word, training to do better. Right. We just went to class and learned. Full service gyms and twenty four seven. Now all that they kind of have to do technique and all this other stuff that's so much harder. These girls are phenomenal. What were the gloves and the boots made out of when you were there? The gloves were made out of cotton. <laughs> And the boots were made out of vinyl. 
and, and that's still that's still and the, that's still pretty much the same. Yeah. But but the gloves are, are pretty. Old, that's pretty old. Fa- that's pretty old school now. Yes, but the girls only wear wrist gloves now. I don't, I think we wore them to the to the elbow. Wow. And and they get, the, they get hot though. Well, that, when you were doing was... what we did, you just didn't think about it. You just did it. <laughs> you were told to do it, and you did it. Nobody complained back then. <laughs> and there were no, and you lived in the dorms. Uh, but, yes, but the, where the athletes Luke would like live together in Van Hall. I understand, Sylvia. The Dixie Darlings. If you were a freshman, you lived with the rest of the freshmen, but not necessarily the freshman Dixie Darlings. No, we did not live as a group at all. And none of the none of the dorms had AC air conditioning. That I remember. Now, like I said. Panhellenic may have put it in that my very their very first year, which was my senior year. We may have had air conditioning, but up till then, no. So they were so you're, they turned the mascot over from the Southerners to the Golden Eagles. Was that your senior year? My junior year. Junior year. Do you remember voting on the new mascot? Because they voted as to what the mascot oh, was going to be. You remember from that? From the eagle from Cap. Oh, no. That came after I left. Oh, it did? Okay. That was in the 70s, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, General Nat was still the mascot all the way through my school. (laughs) With the rebel flag, yes, uh (laughs) uh-huh. Well, actually, the the song Dixie, Are You From Dixie or what? Are You From Dixie is what they strut to now. We strutted actually to Dixie. Okay. The, The Confederate Dixie and it was because, and there was, you know, a little bit of, you know. Yeah, there's politi- politics yeah. involved, sure. as always. But yeah. they actually made us stop using the Dixie song and turned it and changed it to Are You From Dixie? Do any of the former Dixie Darlings get any say in who the new ones will be? No. We don't. Um, so, the officers and Tracy do the hold auditions, which were much more rigid now than we ever did. And... Uh, but they do a good job. Last question, um, mm-hmm. because I think this would probably make his the rest of his life. If there was a movement underway where Kelly Center was like not an honorary member, but just considered to be like an honorary fan of the Dixie Darlings, I think that would probably cheer him to no end. The number one fan. Number one fan. Officially. Well, I would have to say Freddie's. Son gets that honor. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. one that's teaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but but I'm, I'm you're you're up there somewhat, Sander, because of how you worked your elbows. Yeah, well, I've got them straight now, Luke. That's, yeah, he's uh, got it. He's got it down now. At 81 years young, Sylvia Hennington, one of the one of the early Dixie Darlings, here to shed a little history on it. Thanks, Sylvia. It's so great you're to welcome. see you. Nice to be here. We'll see you at homecoming on October 7th. When we come back, Luke Johnson's going to take over the mic. He's going to talk to Heath Hinton of Big Gold Nation. Eagle Hour continues in a moment. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Good times reminiscing about the Dixie Darlings. Ready to see them in action. September 2nd, less than a month. Golden Eagles taking on Alcorn State, and that will be the first time the Darlings are on the field this year. Third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Slade White and his crew always cooking up the best lunch over there, Nine ninety-five Comes with a drink every single day. Of course, uh, Friday's always 
or uh, giving two thumbs up. Bob Getty approved Catfish Friday. This at 4th Street in Hattiesburg. Luke Michael Mergens and Kelly Sander from the Southern Bank Horror Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Cloudy today, Mergens. Uh, weather possibly coming in today? Uh, not supposed to. I've been checking all the sources, and uh, it's got nothing, but it's also summer. It's hot. You get pop-up stuff just out of the blue. High today in Laurel, somewhere just at 89 degrees, and, and we'll talk camp uh, here in just a moment. Heath Hinton joins us from Big Gold Nation. Uh, I, I know that Will Hall was happy yesterday and today. It seemed like the weather calmed down just a little bit. Before that, Heath, um, there, there's been some talks, and I know you've spoken with people as well. You know, one of the things with uh, with the football program is eventually we, we've got to have some type of covered facility uh, for, for an indoor. And, and anybody that's been down to Mobile seen what kind of what, what South Alabama has done with the sides that are open. Of course, they've used that in the Senior Bowl. It seems as if, you know, several schools are going to that, and, and that might be a direction that the Golden Eagles can go in the future. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, talking to Southern Miss, talking about the – indoor practice facility, let's be honest, a covered practice facility, kind of like what Georgia Southern just opened up. you got South Alabama, UAB, um, ooh-la-la. I still call Louisiana ooh-la-la. Uh, you know, the only two schools in the Sun Belt, I think we're just most talking, maybe there's three now, but the only two that I really know of is uh, perhaps Southern Miss and ULM that doesn't have a covered practice facility. Maybe Georgia State doesn't either. But, you know, that's something that uh, needs to happen, uh, not just for uh, for the football team, but for recruiting purposes and getting kids out. Sometimes they need to be out of the sun. Uh, you can put those big fans in there. You can really uh, help control the temperature. Also, you can also use it for soccer, baseball. Use it, bring netting down. Use it as batting cages. Use it as an indoor fielding facility for baseball. So there's a lot of different multi-purposes for it to be used for, and it's severely needed on campus. And I think uh, with re-green uh, stuff happening, I think you'll see that uh, be a be a project in the immediate future that they're going to start looking at. Real quick, what would be where would be the top two places you would put that? Oh man, that's a tough one. Maybe you go long ways on the practice field on one side, uh, have a covered practice field with the uh, turf on one side, and uh, grass field on the other. I mean, that'd be one place you could put it. It's so locked in with that practice facility. That would probably be the only place you could put it. Um, you can't put it anywhere out with this parking lot because you just don't have much parking. So you can't take what little parking you already have. So I would think somewhere on the practice field is where they would put it. Uh, maybe take one of the practice fields and turn that into a, a covered facility. Gotcha. All right, uh, camp day six today. Uh, they they took Sunday off, uh, but really first day today in full pads. They were in shells yesterday. And and what's the latest from from camp? Kelly was out there today, um, and he's going to give us his observations in just a few moments. But it just seems like you know it's back and forth between Edwards and Wiles. I think both of them threw some pretty nice catches today on the quarterback front. What have you heard? What have you seen? I think it's it's a two man battle it's between Wiles and Edwards right now. Uh, if you ask people, maybe Wiles has a, a little bit of a lead. Uh, he's thrown some pretty balls. But both of them, uh, I think one thing you can expect is it doesn't matter who start. 
those guys are going to be able to play the position and play it well. I think the depth there is so much more improved. I think this team is just good quarterback play from being really outstanding this year. I think the secondary is starting to play itself out. I think you're seeing some guys step up there. Uh, defensively, front seven, there was always uh, plenty coming back. They're deep there. The offensive line uh, really galvanizing. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot better offensive line play and skill position guys. They're deep as well. Look, this is a camp that's been about quarterbacks and defensive backfield. Those are your big battles right now. I think that's what's left. And look, if as I say, if they can just get good quarterback play, this Southern Miss team is going to be a lot of fun this year to watch. So, Dima Mixon, uh, of course, uh, with on on campus Fourth Street Sports, he's been uh, he's been covering camp for for Big Gold Nation, yeah. and I, I thought it was interesting today with with what he uh, he said with Will Hall. Coach Hall said basically first team O line set in stone, and it's just the battles for, yeah. for that to protect guys like Wiles and Edwards. The battles are for the second team. So, I mean, walk us through the offensive line. Who you think is solidified up front? I think right now. Uh... If you look at it from right tackle to left tackle, uh, I think you've got uh, Kyron Barnes, John Bolding, Ramsey, uh, Jaquan Scott probably playing left guard, Bryson Mays at left tackle. And then it's the it's the secondary. It's those guys that are going to be backing up your Matt Riles, your Dawson's, Cavazzo, Jr., uh, those guys who who's going to step up and be some guys they can rely on to come in. And, uh, you know, offensive line, you're going to have injuries. You're going to have nicks. You're going to have bruises. Who's going to be those guys that come in and relieve and do some things today? And uh, and I think that's where the battle is. On the offensive line, they're pretty much set. This is a group that played together a lot last year. The only really replacing one guy, and even Barnes played a lot last year. So I think that's pretty much set in stone. I think it's been a situation all camp. As we keep saying, everything's pretty much set in stone except, you know, who's going to play in the defensive backfield and the quarterback. I think the defensive backfield is playing itself into shape. So I think right now just the big thing is who's going to be the starting quarterback. Everything else is pretty much set, though. One one guy um, got a lot of action yesterday, Cole Cavallo. We had him on the Eagle Hour for Sunbelt Media Days. Do you think be, – because we knew two years ago that this was going to be a tight end – an offense that utilized tight ends. I mean, anybody that, that watched Tulane and remember the fateful day in the Rock, I mean, Will, Will Hall utilizes tight ends. And Cavallo got, got thrown the ball a lot yesterday. I mean, is, is that just because of the way the tight end had to be utilized the previous two seasons because of the lack of quarterback play? I mean, do you think we will see more of the tight end catching the ball this year? I actually do. I think Cavallo is – become a pretty complete tight end. You're talking about a guy who was primarily a blocker. And even last year, Utah, Arkansas State, I believe it was, if he didn't catch that ball on the sideline, Southern Miss doesn't win that game. I don't know if you remember that or not. But that was a big play in that game. It, it, he's become a complete player to where he was just a blocker. You saw him lining up at the H-back position. But now because of the way he's developed as a catcher and, and a complete tight end in his sixth year, what a story about this guy. I mean, a guy who came in and uh, really Coach Hall and him had to give him another scholarship because he was pulled from the previous staff pull of the scholarship. So uh, just a guy who's fought and, and come back from, uh, I mean, just come back from being let off the team. Coach Hall comes in, and now he's a really complete tight end. What a journey for him, and, and right. what, a, what a testament to his. Um, abilities 
I think it's pretty incredible. Kelly, you were out there today. You told me lots of energy at practice. Because one thing, Luke, it was it was cooler out there today. If if we can't giggle when we say it was only you know ninety two, uh, but it but it, when it's been hundred and three and it was only ninety two, it actually felt a little bit cooler. And there was a consistent breeze. All right, so the there was some cloud cover too, so the sun wasn't a beast like it's been the last couple of days. So you just sensed that the guys were having a lot more fun just because the weather gave them a little break. But you guys talked about the offensive line, man. From what I saw today, look, I've never coached a college football game in my life. But the offensive line looked great today. They were quick off the ball, crisp in their blocks. Frog Jones had a terrific um, catch in the corner of the end zone. And I got to talk a little bit with um, uh, Brandon, help me, out of Oak Grove. um, Receiver Brandon Hayes. Brandon Hayes, thank you. yeah. Yeah, I got to talk to Brandon after practice, Brandon Hayes. And and he was saying about how the the route running is is real crisp and uh, Dreek Clark in the backfield. He was saying too how all these other teams are going to focus on Frank Gore, and he said that's all well and good. But he said we we got you know two three other guys back here that are going to make a lot of noise. And look, let's be honest, it's it's only anybody that makes any noise either as receivers or as runners. It's because the offensive line is making it happen up front. And I hope, man, I hope that they can all stay healthy because they looked great today. I mean, from what I could see. Heath, about 30 seconds left. Just give us what you're looking forward this week uh, with uh, out of the, the reports from camp. I'm really looking forward to seeing some battles in the secondary. In full pads, see who really steps up there, which guys. Uh, Dylan Lawrence, uh, if he steps up. Jay Jones, Jay Stanley, there's talent there. Uh, you look at my Caraway Jr. tolls, uh, McNeil. Mark McLaurin, there's so much talent back there. But who's going to step up and really grasp those starting positions? Also, I'm still looking the quarterback uh, development because I think, as I say, good good to average quarterback play on this team. This team's going to be exciting. Man, we appreciate your, uh, your time today. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. That's Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation. You can be an insider. SouthernMiss.Rivals.com. Appreciate it. Heath joining us as always. Be sure to check out Big Gold Nation on Twitter, Dima Mixon. Um, if you want to get the inside, subscribe today. You can get daily reports uh, from camp. Hey, we'll uh, step aside. Last what segment on this Tuesday? Women's basketball schedule released. We'll talk about it. Eagle Hour continues on the Tuesday. Southern Miss to the top. Last segment on a Tuesday brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training. DBATHattiesburg.com. They're located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg and greatly appreciate their support of the Eagle Hour. Luke, Michael, and Kelly from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Don't forget about our friends at Mobay Beignet on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, right across the street from University of Southern Mississippi. Just, you just always got a, got a no center. They always have that new flavor of the month. And as the fall approaches, we can expect some really good stuff. Apple last year at one point, pumpkin last year. Am I just dreaming that? Well, no. And cinnamon usually comes in too. Cinnamon and cinnamon and buttercream are always there, but there was like an apple pie or yeah. something. Yeah, all, all the stuff that year. would be your usual like Thanksgiving and Halloween fare. 
Great stuff. Great stuff. Our good friends at Mobay uh, Beignet. All right. Um, one name that you probably have not heard being brought up in, in camp is uh, Southern Miss uh, defensive lineman slash linebacker Avery Hobbes, who led uh, the team last year in tackles for loss. And Hobbes, of course, coming back and, man, just excited about him. He is not with the team right now, and it's pretty obvious that it is for medical issues. Um, Will Hall was asked after practice today to give an update on the status of Avery Hobbes, and he said, quote, I don't have any update on Hobbes yet. He should be back on Sunday or Monday, and hopefully our medical team can get a few answers moving forward. He was asked back with the program, and Coach Hall responded, he'll be in Hattiesburg. And, and Kelly, that, that's, that's not good. Um, and you, you don't want to speculate, but you just feel like, as some of the stuff we heard last week, you know, with some of the press conferences uh, after practice, Coach O'Brien said it hurts to lose a guy like that. You got a feeling that maybe Avery Hobbes may be out for some time. I would say, if not sometime, maybe the entire season. Uh, because usually, you know, the coaches will, will spin it a certain way, but when they're, I, I think, without saying what, Without saying the entire season, I think the indications would be that that's what they're planning on. Uh, anything, anything different? Back. Yeah, anything different would be certainly great news. As we get updates from that, we'll we'll let you guys know. All right, Joy Lee McNellis releasing the 2023-2024 Lady Eagle basketball schedule. Of course, the ladies last year went 21 and 10, 13 and 5, regular season Sun Belt champions in their first year. Get a a, a few exhibitions against William uh, or against William Carey, Mississippi College. They take on the Lady Choctaws on November 1st and then take on the Lady Crusaders on November 6th. Have some non-conference with Akron, North Alabama, Valparaiso, North Dakota. But, Kelly, December 2nd is a, a game that jumps off at the schedule. And and why might that be, Luke? I don't even want to say it necessarily. <laughs> Saturday, December second, Lady Rebels of Ole Miss. Yeah, there you a, go. A Sweet Sixteen team. They can actually come to Hattiesburg. So um, the Lady Eagles will host the Lady Rebels in Reed Green Coliseum, two p.m. on Saturday, uh, December second. They later take on Memphis, Florida Gulf Coast before starting. You can always bank on it around New Year's eve is when this conference schedule starts and kelly you were looking at it through the break it's a it's a challenging uh you know row here in the in the sun belt especially when you look at the the back end of the schedule for the lady eagles eight out of their last 12 on the road and really when you look at the past two or three years for the lady eagles that's when they have struggled is to i mean they they, they tend to start out pretty quickly uh, but then, you know, wear down a little bit, you know, as the season goes on. At least that has been the case the last couple of years. And when you look at eight out of the last 12 being on the road, that is going to be a, an especially tough challenge. The last four, especially, are on the road. Play everybody, you know, in the West twice, but they, they open with uh, three straight or four straight East opponents. Marshall, at Coastal, at Old Dominion, host James Madison. Then they start taking uh, teams from the West. South Alabama at home, Georgia State at home, ULM at home, then at Troy, out South Alabama, then host Louisiana as we move into February, host Troy, then they go uh, East again at Georgia Southern, then Arkansas State, Texas State at home, and then the four Kelly mentioned to end at Monroe, at Arkansas State, at Texas State, at Louisiana. Ooh, boy. I mean, you like to have a two and two split, right? But but the last four, the way really the schedule is 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 home heavy. 
in the first half of the schedule for the Lady They play a lot of games at the beginning of the year at Reed Green. So, I mean, you know, logic would dictate they're going to have to hit the road sooner or later. But, man, that's going to be a tough, if, tough back end. Yeah, and if you're thinking of uh, buying season tickets, which you should, these are Thursday-Saturday games once you get into – uh, get into conference um, season. Should note also that the Sunbelt Conference Tournament will take place again in Pensacola at the Pensacola Bay Center March 5th through 11th. It'll be here before you know it. Basketball, you know, it used to be where you wouldn't even start basketball until about the games, I'm saying, until like the first week of December. But now you're even seeing you know some of the ju- junior colleges and NAIA schools playing in late October now. Calendar-wise, the basketball season is the longest season of the year, sometimes going six months long. That's, that's so, it's a grind. Yeah, I mean, you, where we sit right now, less than three months, we'll be playing <laughs> basketball. Good stuff. And they, Good stuff. I think they report to campus, I think the 21st is the first day of classes for the Southern Miss uh, students and some of them were on campus today actually so I'm taking pictures of the stadium and uh, they're uh, with anticipation they're giddy getting ready to go for another fall campaign. The rain has begun to fall here in downtown Laurel. Hadn't seen it in quite some time. Hey go vote today exercise your duty and a privilege as a citizen and uh, we'll catch you tomorrow. Appreciate you joining us today. You can always catch us in podcasts or on demand same time tomorrow and as always Southern Miss to to the the top. top. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.